Hey, this is Peter Madlin, host of Teacher's Lounge. I just have one quick thing I wanted to mention before we start the show. And that is that we always talk here on Teacher's Lounge about how every single guest on the show is nominated by you, the listener. And so I say that to say that this show is listener-driven, and so is WNIJ. We are listener-supported even financially. The largest portion of our operating revenue comes from listener donations and memberships. So please, if you like what you hear from this show and what you get from WNIJ, consider uh, donating whatever you think is fair, whatever value you get from not only this podcast, but every program that we have here at WNIJ. And you can donate by going over to WNIJ.org. There's a big red button that says donate. takes only a couple minutes. Thanks. I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge from WNIJ Public Radio. We've got a special episode this week that's a little bit different from what we normally do. You remember a few months back when we heard from those valedictorians about what it was like for them graduating in the strangest senior year ever? And remember a few weeks back when we heard from some parents about the challenges of learning from home with their kids? Well, today we are hearing from the kids just starting their school journey, elementary schoolers. Students from pre-K to 5th grade in the West Aurora School District. The question that was presented to them in this district survey was, how are you feeling about school closures? And I know that if they're not running around in your house, it's not often that we get to hear from kids that young in their own words. So we wanted to bring you that today. Some of them are hilarious. Some of them are heartbreaking. And overall, I think they're a good microcosm of how we've all felt no matter what our age is, during the last six months of the pandemic. These student surveys were written out, so we enlisted WNIJ's own Vani Subramoni to help lend a voice to these kids' words. Here's a quick taste. I feel happy and sad. I like to stay home, but I miss all of you. I want my fifth grade graduation! If a teacher or something is reading this, please make the fifth grade graduation possible. It would mean a lot. I was confused at first with the school being closed, but after my mom explained why, I am pleased that the school thought of our health first. I'm happy that all the schools are being cleaned. I have nobody to talk to and my friends used to crack me up all the time. At first, I was totally happy at the fact of more sleep But after a while, never thought I'd say this, I miss school, and my friends, of course. You're going to be hearing even more of those as we move on through the show. If this is your first episode of Teacher's Lounge and you're wondering, wait, wait, where are all the teachers at? Yeah, that's, that's a fair question, and we will be back to normal next time. Don't you worry. Many of Illinois' largest school districts have started remotely. About 64% of the state's nearly 2 million pre-K through K-12 students are starting remotely. But when you break it down by district, it's a little more of an even breakdown. In fact, a plurality of districts, so 41% of them, are using a blended, partially in-person, partially online structure. And larger school districts like Rockford are taking advantage of that kind of plan, too. 237 districts are offering some kind of full-time in-person schedule for some grade levels, according to the Illinois State Board of Education, and you can check out a full breakdown by county at the Illinois State Board of Education's website. 
Now it's time to hear even more of those thoughts and feelings from West Aurora Elementary School kids about how they felt about schools closing. It is hard being at home. Would rather be at school. Hard to type. Mom is working all the time and she can't help much. Mom has to work because she needs money, but important to learn too. I am very sorry for those who had birthdays during this, and I want to let you know that smiles are contagious too, so whenever you walk by someone, please smile and say hi, and make sure you are doing your homework. If you ever have a chance to see doctors, please thank them because they are working for you and for me and for everyone. Like my mom. She's a respiratory therapist. She works night shifts 12 hours a week. That's a lot. She's very tired every day, which is tough. Wouldn't you be? Thanks. What if there is no cure? What if we just have to live with this and we can't do anything? I agree with the person that said they get to eat their own food. The school food is... eh. You know, hearing those students' thoughts and feelings about school closing is a good reminder that whether it's the global pandemic or social unrest, nearly every person, no matter what their age, has experienced some kind of trauma in 2020. And so I got a chance to talk to some school social workers who are trying to figure out how to help students through this year, whether they see them in person or online. It's hard to grasp the long-term mental health implications of COVID-19, but many Americans have already seen their mental health suffer during the pandemic. A study from the CDC found 75% of respondents between 18 and 24 years old reported experiencing mental health symptoms like anxiety or depression. Mary Ellen Spicer is a social worker at Sycamore High School. A lot of our service providers in the community have seen an increase in adolescents and then particularly ages 18 to 24. There's been a real increase on need and actual suicide attempts. Spicer and other social workers, psychologists and counselors will be on the front lines trying to provide mental health support to students starting school in the midst of COVID-19. Crystal Templin is a fellow social worker and counselor at Sycamore. Often we deal with situations that are a crisis and that's, that's a given, but usually not everyone is affected by the crisis. And the anxiety is coming from both the quarantine and lack of social interaction and now the stress and uncertainty of whether a return to a social environment like the classroom can be done safely. Spicer's district just delayed their in-person start, and conducting social work online can present a multitude of challenges, especially when you have students with significant disabilities or anxiety. Sylvia Hudsick is a social worker in Rockford at Risa Middle School. If there's some um, risk of harm, I mean, how do we assess that? And, and I think of my new students, I mean, am I ready to see their house? That's their space. That's their home base. I mean, are, are these families ready for that? Fundamental work like teaching about facial expressions or how to come in and out of conversations becomes much more difficult to convey over Zoom or Google Meet. And students may have experienced a loss in their family but feel uncomfortable reaching out. Trauma that students experience during the pandemic doesn't replace what they experienced before. It just adds another layer to their story. And some students may have not even met their school social worker in person. Jen Katowski is a social worker at DeKalb High School. I think it's strange for students to reach out via email and say that they need to talk to me. If they were in the building, they could just come down to my office and say, hey, do you have a minute? Social emotional learning is going to be front and center at some schools. Elizabeth Croning is a social worker at Gregory Elementary in Rockford. 
She says the spring was the definition of a crisis. So while they were sending out some materials, they can't blame parents for not being as responsive. Now, social workers are putting together presentations and using online learning platforms like Seesaw. They're focusing on coping strategies like meditation or getting outside and asking about good things that happened over the past few months, like spending more time with family. E-learning lessons also include links to community services like food pantries and housing. We thought we were pretty like, te- we're all, we're so also virtual till this. And then it's like, there is all this stuff, but we don't use it. Rockford Public Schools are still planning a blended part in-person, part online option. Sylvia Hudson says about half of the district's families chose remote learning. So around half of her caseload will be online and the other half she will get to meet with personally. Social workers often fill their office with little fidget toys or stress balls students can use to relax. But now some school guidelines say they can't have shared items that need cleaning and personal items are limited. I have all these coloring sheets, you know, the kids come in and they kind of doodle because it kind of takes the pressure off of, you know, us sitting across from each other. So it's still like, how am I going to pull this off? Social workers also have to help educate teachers on how to pick up on behaviors and building social-emotional connections even online. And as Sycamore's Mary Ellen Spicer calls, it's impossible for educators to help if they're not looking after their own mental health. In March, I had a couple students who would be in crisis, and I'm at home in my kitchen on the computer with them, having to get a hold of mom on the phone, getting a hold of their case manager, and like trying to piece that together for the student. And then when I was done with that crisis and we had that, that student in a safe place, I'm still at home in my kitchen. So what am I doing to take care of myself? It's unclear how long into the fall or winter students will be learning from home, but wherever they're at, social workers say they need access to mental health support now more than ever. Even as millions of students in the United States still go to school with no counselor or social worker at all. Okay, can we switch gears really quickly and talk about colleges? Okay, so enrollments at Northern Illinois University actually went up this fall for the first time in a decade. At the beginning of 2020, the university's enrollment projections looked good. A plan was in place, applications were up, then COVID-19 happened, and it became impossible to predict how the fall numbers would look if students returned at all. Sol Jensen is NIU's VP for Enrollment Management, Marketing, and Communications. He says one of the most important improvements was with local Northern Illinois students. We didn't want students to forget about us, even though we're right here in the back, their backyards. Enrollment from DeKalb County students jumped up 43%. That could be in part due to students wanting to stay close to home during the pandemic. But Jensen says local applications were at that same mark before school shut down in March. Total on-campus undergrads and graduates increased this fall, and the number of off-campus students fell, surprisingly, he says, during the pandemic. Jensen says he can't quite explain that. And he also says the university is especially proud of the diversity and academic profile of its incoming class. Sticking with higher ed really quick, last week, Northern Illinois University moved its undergraduate classes online after COVID-19 cases spiked. President Lisa Freeman asked students living on campus and in the county to limit their in-person activities and interactions. This week, 23 NIU students and three faculty members tested positive, and that raises the grand total to 192 positive cases, 149 of them which the university reports have made a full recovery. And the university is surveillance testing students who live on campus, who have attended in-person classes or are student athletes. So they're testing a random selection of 600 students a week. The testing is mandatory. And after a warning, students failing to comply could be removed from their residence halls and their classes. The university has set aside dorms for students who need to quarantine 
and they're also encouraging students to go home to isolate if they're able to do that. Matt Streb is the chief of staff to the president, Lisa Freeman, and he says that NIU biology faculty are also collaborating with the DeKalb Water District to help set up wastewater testing. That could be used to monitor residents' hall wastewater to try and detect traces of COVID-19 before an outbreak. In her statement about moving classes temporarily online, Lisa Freeman mostly blamed parties and large in-person gatherings where people haven't been wearing masks or distancing for the two-week pause. And she talked about careless and unacceptable activities for putting, as she said, the entire community at risk. Universities across the country have released similar statements, scolding students about their behavior, but some students have questioned why it's all their fault. Didn't the universities ask them to return to campus in droves by the thousands during a pandemic? Didn't they put them in dorms with their friends after being stuck in their houses for months and then ask them not to get together? It's a tough question, and universities are still trying to figure out how and where to direct their blame. And even though NIU is already switching up its plan, it's worth noting that these students just moved back to campus a few weeks ago at NIU and also across the country. And during move-in day at NIU, we actually did get a chance to talk to some of those students and their families about what their expectations were going in. And again, this is just a few weeks ago. Move-in day is normally a frenzy. At large schools like Northern Illinois University, thousands of students descend out of campus. Student organizations pass around sign-up sheets and crowded dorms. Maybe even the football team helps unload furniture. Not this time. This year, students made appointments to move into dorms over the course of several days. David Lewis just transferred to NIU from a community college in his home state of Missouri. He and his dad drove in the night before to get an early start. He came for the political science department and the marching band. Overall, it's a little, I'm a little nervous, but I'm overall very excited to be here. Um, It's a really good school, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. His dad, also David, has, like many parents dropping off their kids for the first time, some mixed emotions. As a father, I guess I'm probably more nervous than he is. He's, Mm -hmm. He's more excited. You know, I'm more nervous about him being in a new place, six hours from home, right in the middle of a pandemic as well, so... But I'm excited for them, and I'm I'm extremely proud of them. At NIU, they typically have somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 students living on campus, and they're expecting about 1,000 fewer students this year. The college experience is built to bring students together, to meet new people and find your community. But everyone living on campus this fall will have their own room, both to allow distancing and remove the student density in residence halls. Mike Stang is the assistant VP for Student Affairs. He knows this year will be different than normal, but he says they're trying to minimize those differences. We're still working actively to create community in the residence halls, although some of it's going to be virtual. For example, every floor is going to have a community group that will be set up through Microsoft Teams. Stang says if students have to get together in dorms, there are capacity limits and they should physically distance and wear masks. Also, aside from lobbies and dining areas, visitors are prohibited. NIU also set aside some rooms if students need to quarantine, but Stang says they'd prefer for students to go home if they can in those situations. John Murray was loading a cart helping his daughter move in, and he says it's hard not to think about other universities seeing clusters of positive tests after reopening. Well, that's a scary part, but she's going to be doing some of her classes online, and some of them she has to go to labs and stuff, but the scary part is that it's more, you're more vulnerable here than somewhere else. The University of North Carolina recently switched to virtual learning after it saw cases rise. The University of Alabama reported more than 500 confirmed COVID-19 cases. 
NIU made a substantial amount of their classes online or hybrid to discourage big groups. The university also made students sign a pledge to follow the community guidelines. But it can be much more difficult to ensure safety measures off campus where large swaths of students live. Rockford University is a much smaller private school, but they've had to take their own precautions. Randy Warden is the university's VP for Student Life. They have 350 students living on campus, which is about what they expected. Over the summer, he says they thought it could be much fewer because of safety restrictions. Students were willing to say, okay, I understand it's not going to be 100% of a normal collegiate experience, but if it's 70 or 75, that's good enough. Are you removed around half of the furniture in common areas? In classes, available seats have signs taped to them to try and ensure distancing. They've installed yards of plexiglass around campus. Warden says the issue for them is that because they're such a small community, people get comfortable around each other. And that comfort could lead to a false sense of security and people could get casual about wearing masks and distancing. Whether it be large public schools like NIU or small private ones like Rockford, it takes more than just safety guidelines to prevent COVID outbreaks. It will likely take thousands of students, often independent for the first time, after having prom and graduation canceled, to sacrifice the college experience they hoped for since high school in the name of public health. And even then, positive tests and possibly an outbreak may still be inevitable. Okay, before we finish up, how about one last batch of thoughts and feelings from our West Aurora Elementary School students. Sometimes I'm not nice to my sister because something is bothering me. I don't always know what is bothering me. Solution, I will help mom make a calm down corner to make me calm and kind. I can talk to mom or dad about what is bothering me. I don't like 2020. Wash your hands. I can see the people building the new playground from my backyard. I can see the construction of the new playground and I like to check on it every day. I want to be the first one to play on it. I'm so mad I could rip off some metal. I swear I can. I'm also worried because the future lies in our hands. If we don't do the right thing, our nation is going to fall apart. And children born at this time will have a hard time living. I think this is important because people need to think to watch the news to see how to prevent COVID-19. Okay, we are back to our typical format next week. So as always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. This is how we get all our guests, so send them our way. Teacherslounge at niu.edu is the email. Again, teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing this podcast, if you like it, well, like it, subscribe, leave us a rating, whatever you can do, share it. It's uh, the best way that we get even more guests on our show and more perspectives and more listeners. Thanks to the Northern Illinois band Kind Doves for the awesome music that you hear in each and every episode of Teacher's Lounge. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud and their appearance on Sessions from Studio A. Big shout out, speaking of Sessions, to Spencer Tritt for making our logo. I've been your host, Peter Budlin, and I will be back with more Teacher's Lounge very soon. See you later.